I'm Chip Freud, and this is the Artist Spotlight, conversations with contemporary artists based on five simple questions that explore the artist's journey, creativity, and sources of inspiration. Welcome to another episode of the Artist Spotlight podcast. I'm excited to welcome today Kathy King, an award-winning jewelry artist, beading instructor, and author to this show. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Chip. Well, Kathy, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your most recent project or something you may have just finished or in the middle of uh, to help the audience understand a little bit of what you do. Uh, well, currently, uh, it's been a weird you know, year or two for all mm -hmm. of us. Um, I haven't had many shows lately. So um, currently, I'm starting some uh, bigger sculptural pieces that I've gotten interested in, kind of non-wearable. Um, so I've started a couple of those. I've got the base and painted stuff and haven't actually started the beadwork that'll go in them yet. But that is my goal for this coming year is to finish a bunch of these big sculptural pieces. I'm, well, big in, in terms of beads, it's big, but <laughs> um, so hopefully I'll finish a bunch of those this year. Well, very cool. Um, are they abstract uh, pieces or are they uh, more representative of something? Um, I'm definitely more abstract. Um, I don't do a lot of representative beadwork, I guess, but um, my current piece is it, it will be the inside of an old um, like grandfather clock that hangs on the wall. Mm. So someone mm. else took the guts out. So I'll turn the, the inside of it into a beaded sculpture piece. Oh, very cool. So the, the clock becomes, in a sense, a frame or a shadow box to how yes. your work. Yeah, that's, that's my new thing is going to thrift stores and finding old pieces of miscellaneous stuff that I can turn into some work, part of my beadwork. Well, excellent. Well, as you know, uh, the podcast is really all about our five questions. So without any further ado, we'll start off with our first question, which is what is your earliest memory of making art of any kind? Um, I guess I feel like I've just always made art. Um, I always made cards, you know, for birthdays and family and friends. And I made a lot of um, clay art, like I'd make my own clay and make Christmas ornaments, which I still have some of those. They haven't all broken. Um, I, I don't, I made furniture and clothing for Barbie dolls. I remember digging through my dad's sawdust bin in the basement when I was in elementary school, using odd pieces of wood for stuff. So I don't know if I'd call it art, but I was always making stuff hmm. and, you know, rug hooking and I never really sewed a lot, but, uh, everything else I tried. <laughs> Neat. Well, that brings us to our second question, which is, you know, your current medium, you know, is, is beading. Um, what brought you to that medium? Um, well, my first beads I bought probably, I don't know, 30 something years ago. And I bought them to put on a cross stitch hmm. design. So I've always, I've liked miniature things. So I've, you know, before beadwork, I did cross stitch and rug hooking. So it's lots of meticulous tiny things. And then I saw beadwork somewhere. It was like 19, late nineties. And, um, I thought it was really cool looking. I wanted to learn. So there was a class in 1999 in Raleigh, um, put on by the Borders Guild. So I took two classes from Carol Wilcox Wells, who's I think is an amazing, amazing teacher. And 
it just clicked for me. It was really easy. I just, I loved the beads and I just could do it fairly quickly. And I was hooked as soon as I took my first class. So it's kind of been 32 years now or 33 years almost of doing beadwork. It's it's quite a bit of history that you've got. uh, Just trying to fathom that the sheer probably tens of thousands of beads that have gone through your fingers. Yeah. I don't even know how many, I mean, some of my pieces have 35,000 beads in just one piece. So that, that really sort of puts it in perspective. So you're looking at hundreds of thousands, if not a million beads. Yeah, probably it's it's a lot. And I never really thought about how many beads I can easily figure out usually, because it's just multiplying. It's very repetitive. So you know, I now put the number of beads when I sell a piece, I put the approximate number of beads on each piece. And it, that usually gets people's attention. <laughs> it certainly puts in perspective the amount of, of effort that went into creating it, right? Yeah, you, you do have to pick up every single bead. <laughs> I might sew on more than one at a time, but I pick them up individually. So <laughs> very cool. So what inspires your art? Where does your ideas come from or the inspiration for various pieces? Um, I'm kind of, I think with a lot of artists every, everywhere, anything. I mean, nature is definitely a huge inspiration for, uh, I, I don't know what artist isn't inspired by nature. Um, but everything I see, I have one thing I really love going through, which I have a lot of is um, like pattern books. I have a lot of like um, historical, cultural patterns from around the world, from all different um, countries and um, ethnic backgrounds. And they have a lot of different cool shapes and color combinations I'd never think of. So I love just perusing through those to get inspiration um, for the, especially with my current beadwork, I can do a lot of geometric shapes and stuff. So I love looking at the old um, patterns used for centuries or longer and um, getting inspiration from that. So art books is, is a huge thing I like to look at. And then other people's art. I love just looking at Instagram and Facebook and you know buying art books of other people's art just to look at and get inspiration from. But it's really everywhere and anywhere. <laughs> Thinking of one of your, um, maybe one of the sculptural pieces that you've got coming up, now, where did the uh, the idea come for what's going to go inside that clock, for instance? Um, well, when a friend gave me the clock, um, I thought of, I wanted to connect it to time somehow. Mm. And I thought of like the passage of time. And I think I've settled on, it's going to be like a seasonal thing. The inside will go from, you know, spring kind of decaying too. It's like life to death, kind of mm. spring to winter. And so it was inspired by the clock case itself, but um, what exactly that's going to look like. I always kind of have sketches, but my beadwork usually, you know, comes out however it comes out. It doesn't usually follow any plan. I mean, most of the stuff I make, I just make up as I go. Interesting. So, so as you bead it, it tells you where it wants to go. Yeah. So, I mean, the bead beads themselves are an inspiration too. I mean, I do have books of sketches I've done, and there's a few pieces that have come out looking like I planned, but most of them I make up as I go. I just like play, I guess, experiment. Yeah, musicians call that noodling. 
I do a lot of noodling then. I have I have containers of things I've I've made that didn't quite work out, but I've learned something from each of them. <laughs> well, do you ever go back to the ones that didn't work out and rework All them? All the time. Yeah. I keep them in a big glass jar near my bead table and I dump them out and sometimes they go become part of something else or I just get ideas for shapes and colors and stuff. So I keep everything that didn't work out and it looks kind of cool in a glass container. I saw another artist, uh, David Chat, who's a really well-known artist and he put all his, you know, mistakes in a jar and it kind of becomes art itself. So it looks, I, I, I save everything. <laughs> Well, if you could see beyond my virtual background, you'd see that I'm a, a bit of a saver myself. <clears throat> the wonders of virtual backgrounds. Yes. <laughs> so our, our fourth question takes us to, what advice would you give a, start, a starting artist, somebody that's just getting going? Uh, you've obviously uh, got some years of experience um, with you as well as you're an instructor. So you obviously have this kind of an opportunity uh, ongoing basis, but what kind of advice would you give an artist? Um, I guess there's like two areas. One, like business-wise, that's where the end that I'm not particularly good at. I can make the art, the selling of it is not, I'm not good at promoting myself. If you can get some background or either hire help or get a degree, most really good artists I know have a marketing degree or something, not necessarily you know, a successful financially, you know, it's not always making the best art is not always going to lead to selling art. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when it comes to making the art, it's taken me decades to figure out that I make the best art when I make what I want to make. I mean, I've gone up and down making what I think is going to sell, what yeah. is the color of the year or, you know, what's trendy. And I've done that. And it, it just, depresses me and I always make my worst stuff. So I've just come to the terms that I need to make what I want to make. And that's when I make my best, you know, and eventually someone out there, I think will appreciate it. It's sometimes finding the audience is hard, but I just have come to, I need to make what I want to make or it's, it doesn't come out well. I mean, that's my biggest advice to, you know, artists don't, don't follow the trends. Don't make what you think others want you to make. So. Yeah, that that's a, a mantra I give myself on a regular basis. Is um, it's it's easy, particularly with photography as my art form. Scrolling Instagram, there's lots of stuff there, and and it's easy to start chasing the likes and to start chasing yeah. what you think people want. But you're right; it sucks your soul right out of you. Um, yeah, it's like every time I have a bad show, I rethink everything, and. And it's at least so much doubt, which I think every artist has. And it's, it's, you know, every time I change it, it doesn't help. I don't sell anymore, really. It's just, I'm miserable. <laughs> so. Well, it goes back to your first part, which is, I actually have a marketing background. Um, the, what I've done with my art is really to think of marketing of it as I'm not trying to sell it or push it on people. My marketing is really about communicating and finding the audience who wants my art, right? Yeah. I'm satisfying a need that they have. Um, they just don't know that my art exists yet. So my job as the marketer is to help them find it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's and it's I mean, I just am not that's what I'm not good at. And I, I know that. But <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying different things now and trying to get my art out there more by doing gallery exhibitions. And that's mm -hmm. where people can see it who normally wouldn't see it. And I think that's more my audience than craft shows. Yeah. So I've, I've, it's, it's only taken me 20 years <laughs> to figure that out. Well, and I think we're always still doing it. I mean, I'm a relatively new artist, only been a professional artist for a few years now. Uh, so each time I do a different show and sometimes I have success, sometimes I don't, I'm trying to assess, okay, um, what was it about the show that worked and what, what didn't? And I've tried to get myself out of the thinking, like you were suggesting, that it's a problem with my art. Yeah. The thinking more is it's a, it's a problem that I'm not in, I'm not to the right audience. Yeah. It, but it's, you always doubt yourself. Oh you Yeah. Know? I mean, I've done shows with a guy next to me making, you know, helicopters out of soda cans was selling like crazy and they were cool, but that audience wasn't for me. They were there to buy smaller decorative things and not spend a lot of money on jewelry. So. <laughs> yep. Been there, done that. Um, and um, was just on the, the last episode talking a little bit about imposter syndrome. So, I mean, that that's, I think, a very common feeling amongst artists. Oh, yes. And I've, I've recently listened to another podcast with another artist who I've admired for years. She's really well known, done, does, sells big, and she, she's another beater. Mm -hmm. And she was saying how, you know, she still doubts herself every time she sits down. And I'm like, really? I, it just, I mean, it feels good kind of hearing that because I look at her as super successful and she's very well known and sells expensive pieces and she still doubts herself. I'm like, wow. Okay. So it, we all feel that, I think. Yeah. Well, and maybe it's trying to look at it from a positive perspective. If we start getting a level of confidence there, we, there were, where there isn't any doubt, um, are we getting too comfortable? Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. Yeah, we're not, we're not doing anything different. You're doing the same thing that you're, yeah, there's things I'm comfortable making that I know, well, that'll come out nice, but because I've made 6,000 of them, so... Yeah, I guess maybe you're not pushing yourself enough if you're too comfortable. Because, I mean, where does all the good stuff happen? It happens outside your comfort zone. Oh, definitely. When you're doing something different, you don't think you know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, that brings us to our last question, and that is, what artist would you recommend that we all go out there and check out? It could be somebody you've just discovered, could be uh, somebody uh, living, dead, wherever it uh, comes from. But who, would you, who should we go check out? There's so many artists I follow that I love their work. Um, there's three bead artists I really admire, and they do beaded sculptural stuff. And it's um, Betsy Youngquist, Nancy Josephson, and Jan Hewling. And they do these amazing, I can't, you know, they do mosaics or Jan, was it, who was it? Jan Hewling made a giant sculpture of her mom's wedding dress and beaded the entire outside of it. It was just it's full scale beaded wedding dress. It's just amazing. And I mean, they just, they make really large sculpt. They've all done really large, you know, animals and um, Betsy Youngquist is really kind of abstract and she puts weird doll faces in her. I don't know. I just, her stuff is just really cool. Um, there's also, I love paper art. And uh, if anyone doesn't know Rogan Brown, um, he makes really cool. I don't even, it's like microscopic, 
shapes that he cuts in paper. I don't know if they're just a really amazing stuff. Mm, interesting. I'll have to check that out. And um, I also have to suggest I, I my husband does art <laughs> and uh, Brett King. He's a, he's a steampunk guy. He makes really cool uh. automatons and costumes. And so um, he's also working on making an uh, artist collective in the area. Oh. So he's, you know, trying to work with um, the city of Raleigh and making an artist collective where people can get together and make big pieces of art. So um, there's a local artist. <laughs> well, there you go. Cool. I'll have to check his stuff out, too. Well, that brings us to the end of our time. I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. For our listeners, if they want to see more of your work, I believe they can go out to kathykingjewelry.com or in person can obviously come see it uh, at our favorite gallery, the Cary Gallery of Artists in lovely downtown Cary. Is there any place else that we should uh, send listeners to check out your work? Um, I'm on Instagram at um, Kathy King Jewelry. And I also have currently have a studio in art space in downtown Raleigh near Moore Square. So um, I don't, I'm not there at regular hours, but you can always send me an email and I'll let you know if I'm going to be there or not. But I think that's it. All righty. Well, thank you again for uh, joining me on the show and having a little conversation about uh, your work and your inspirations. Okay. Thanks a lot, Chip. With that, we'll sign off and uh, tune in next time for another Artist Spotlight Conversation. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Artist Spotlight with Chip Freund. Find accompanying blog posts at chipfreundphoto.com slash blog. And you may subscribe to our show on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like listening.